This is the second week of our message series we are calling The Greatest of All Time. In the sports world, fans argue over who is the greatest of all time. The GOAT, as we like to say in modern parlance. This discussion spans across all sports, and the winner usually differs by decade. However, across all religions, Jesus is literally the greatest of all time since the beginning of time. There was no one greater before him, and there will be no one greater after him. He is literally undefeated. Think about this. The Bible has 73 books, about 1,189 chapters, and 31,703 verses. And although researchers say there are only 166 verses about Jesus, Christians know the entire Bible is about Jesus. Because the Old Testament talks about the coming of the King. Christians understand the King is Jesus. And the New Testament details that King's life, death and resurrection, and His second coming. Christians know that Jesus has always been. He was around from the very beginning. Because we read in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, where the writer says, Jesus was there from the beginning. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made. His life is the light to all humanity. And if that does not make Jesus the greatest of all time, go down a few more verses where the gospel writer tells us that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, full of grace and truth. Now, maybe you can hear the skeptics saying, what? Christ was there from the beginning before all else? Do you really believe that? But not only was Jesus there from the beginning, He came from heaven, took the form of a baby, and grew up just like everyone else. He wasn't born into a rich family, but He's made all of us who believe in Him spiritually wealthy. He didn't have any medical degrees, but He's still the best healer the world has ever known. He never took a psychology class, but millions of people call Him Wonderful Counselor. The world has never had a greater teacher. Without Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, Jesus has maintained a crazy number of followers. He has over 2.3 billion followers. Wow! The greatest of all time is an understatement. Not only did Jesus take human form, but He lived a sinless life for 33 years, experiencing everything that we experience. And at the same time, He was also God. Now, maybe you can hear the skeptics saying again, God? You really think Jesus was both a man and God? Yes, He is fully God and fully man. Yes, we believe that. For Jesus tells us, he and the Father are one. 
He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He also says, if you have known me, you have also known my Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he says. There are so many verses in the Bible that confirm who Jesus is that no one should doubt. Great is not a strong enough word to describe Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Yet he is indeed the greatest of all time. And as the greatest of all time, Jesus thinks big, very big. He has big plans, big plans for you and me. But being human, sometimes we think small. Thinking small is an ancient habit. For example, in that first reading that we heard today, Moses appointed 70 elders to help him. You remember that story? The Holy Spirit comes down on those 70, but the Holy Spirit also comes down upon two others who are not in that group of 70. And the 70 complain to Moses and want him to stop the other two. But Moses rebukes the 70 insiders because he recognizes the two outsiders, if you will, as a sign of the Spirit working within them. The 70, we might say, are the official church people. They hadn't yet learned that the Holy Spirit blows wherever the Holy Spirit wills. And then something similar happens in the gospel. Do you remember the gospel story? Jesus appointed 12 apostles to work his mission. Some others outside of those 12 were healing in Jesus' name, which outraged the 12. Jesus, they are thinking, if you don't stop them, we're going to lose control of the situation. They want control. They want confirmation from Jesus in this as well, but he rebukes them. What Jesus and Moses are saying is the mission of both Moses and Jesus presupposes that God the Holy Spirit is already at work in the world. We are blessed to witness this when adults decide they want to be Catholic. In just a couple of Sundays, Wright Deacon Mike will be celebrating a few people, adults, entering into full communion with the church. They want to be Catholic. It's important for us to remember when people come to us who want to be Catholic, they are not outsider empty vessels waiting to be filled by us know-it-all insiders. The Holy Spirit and the seeds of faith are already working in them. Jesus himself often turns, his, turns to people his apostles will see as outsiders. He recognizes the faith that's at work in them, right? Think of how many times you've heard in the Bible Jesus saying, your faith has saved you. Most of these people don't fit the mold. They don't fit the mold of who we think they should be. They don't fit the mold of what others thought of as fitting the mold to be a good fit into their group. The Bible teaches us that in all times, in all places, the seeds of faith are sown and found. The function of the church then, that's us by the way, the church, our function is to encourage those who show a curiosity about God, to help them develop their curiosity to the point where they too begin to seek Jesus.
All evangelization depends upon this model. The Word of God is sown in the minds and hearts of all sorts of people by God Himself. Then it's activated by the Holy Spirit in baptism. It doesn't stop there either. Those drawn into the fold of the church, like you and me, still want and need constant drawing into an awareness of the continuous presence of God in our lives. Do we not? All of us should evangelize, and all of us should regularly be evangelized. This is what I mean by that. When we talk about evangelization, we're talking about three types of evangelization. Or I should say one type of evangelization in three different ways. First of all, evangelization of everybody who comes to church, the folks in the pews, me too, that we learn more and more about God and His Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and we have a better and better relationship with them. Our love and relationship grows with them. That's how we're evangelized. We evangelize the unchurched, those who don't go to church anymore. We also evangelize those who've never heard of Jesus. Now, in today's uh, modern communications, especially here in the South, most people have heard Jesus' name, but they don't know who He is. I don't know about you, but when it gets right down to it, the reason I'm Catholic isn't because of some priest, bishop, or pope. I am Catholic because of the witness of my parents, family members, and friends who shared their love of the Lord with me. That's not to downplay the influence that priests, bishops, deacons, sisters, and popes can have, especially when they're faithful to their vocational call. It's just that most people find their way into the church because of the loving and faithful witness of a family member or friend. I have a very good friend, a lifelong friend named Steve. I used to go to church with him as a young adult, long ago and far away. Honestly, many times I went because I knew Steve and I were going together. Maybe you have a similar story. We were really evangelists to each other because we were inviting each other, calling one another up back in the day before cell phones, yes, actually having to use a landline phone, calling one another up and saying, hey, you going to church tonight? What would happen if we were all evangelists? Our bishop, Bishop Bill Walk, is writing a very important pastoral letter. It's his first pastoral letter. He's pretty excited about it. He's writing it to all of us, not deacons and priests and other bishops, but all of us, all of us across the entire diocese. It's his official letter on how we are all to be engaged in evangelization and how we can evangelize. He's clear that evangelization is for everyone to do, not just the priests and deacons. Now, we're going to publish a summary of his letter in next week's electronic newsletter. So, if you're registered with the parish, you'll get it in your email. If not, we'll publish the summary on our website as well. So, I ask you again, what would happen if we were all evangelists? Think about it. Think about all the ways we can share Jesus with the people around us. Who can you invite to church on Sunday, for example? The opportunities are exciting if we simply find the courage to act. If we all invited one person this week, what a gift that would be for Jesus Christ.
wouldn't you say? And what a gift it would be for our faith community here at St. Mary, as well as if we all just invited one person. We can build up God's family, His church. But sometimes, like the disciples in the gospel today, we build walls and gates by thinking small. When we think small, we become provincial and we start thinking the church belongs to us, right? This is my pew. This is where I sit, kind of thing. And even beyond that, we start thinking that there are those of us inside the church and those outside the church. Jesus never made those distinctions. This life of ours is an extraordinary gift, full of possibilities. But it's more than just a dress rehearsal. It's our one-time path to eternity. So give it your full attention. Think big and love big and invite. The Holy Spirit will be with you every step of the way. Jesus wants everyone to experience His love and mercy and the love and mercy of the Father. He knows His mission and He wants everyone to join in that mission. So, come to Mass. Bring a friend. We are all on the same team, and there is room for everyone.